All right. Well, I have uh, up here on the stage with me, I'm Alex. I'm the associate pastor. And then this is Ed Allen, who's our senior pastor or our lead pastor. Yeah, in the hold office down the of... applause. Hold yeah. down the applause. And, and his lovely wife, Diane. Diane. Wait. Wait. Let me, just, let me just compare the applause for Ed and then for Diane. Yeah. yeah. I said in the earlier service, she is both the beauty and the brains of the pair. <laughs> so, Ed and Diane just got back from Israel to kind of celebrate their 20th anniversary of serving at Gateway. Our elders uh, wanted them to get this time away and go on a trip to Israel. They went with a number of other people from Gateway and 38 people from other churches in Northern Virginia that are kind of connected to one of the networks we're a part of, and they went to Israel and got to spend some time there. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to kind of get their reflections. You guys got in at what time last night? What time did you get home? 7, 8.30. And what time was that body clock, like Israel time? What was that? It's seven like hours ahead. So uh, like three in the morning yeah. or something Some crazy, crazy so, hour, yeah. yeah. Even though they're sleep deprived, we thought we would kind of push them for uh, answers to questions, and find out a little bit about this trip. So tell us a little bit about what did you do, where'd you go, what was it like? First of all, I want to start by saying, uh, for those of you who know them, hey, if you're visiting with us, thanks for coming. Um, this Today's a little different. We usually do more of a, I don't know, come again and you'll find out. But this first picture, Mike and Katie Harding also went on the trip, and they go to Gateway, as did Dean Salami, and Dean took... I don't know, thousands of pictures, and that's not Michael an exaggeration. Michael took 4,000. Mike <laughs> took 4,000, and we're only going to show half today because that... But Mike sent this picture to me last night after we got home late, and he said he took this picture of this man at the, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and he said, uh, this, in my view, kind of sums up our trip, and it really does. So... Hang on, hang on, hang on. So... <laughs> I did not know before I went to Israel, I'd heard of the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, but what's the significance for Israelis there? Surprise question, but it's interesting. <laughs> I'm going to keep the, uh, the Temple Mount was, you know, four walls built by Herod, and then he did some landfill, literally, and built a gigantic platform on the top of Mount Moriah, and surrounded by four walls, and then on top of that platform, he built the second temple. Solomon built the first temple. Herod built the second temple. And those of you who know about the temple, if you're familiar with the Old Testament stories, the holiest place, the temple was supposed to be the holiest place in Israel. And the holiest place of the holiest place was the Holy of Holies. Well, the temple is no longer there. It was destroyed by the Romans. And now on top of Herod's platform, there is a, a dome that was a mosque built by Muslims centuries ago. Jews still long for the temple to be rebuilt on the Temple Mount, and the Western Wall is the closest existing spot to what was the Holy of Holies. So that's become the place for them to cry out to God and say, you know, rebuild your temple here. It's a strange place to visit, too, as a Westerner, isn't it? Really it really is. It really is, yeah. Um, the men who get a little closer access often, like, physically act out their prayers almost. That's a, a Jewish tradition. It, I mean, it's a profound image of devotion, 
if nothing else. They, they separate men and women. Women are on one side, separated by a wall in between them. And a lot of bar mitzvahs are going on during then. And they're reading the Torah to initiate young 13-year-old boys. Diane's got a couple of really good pictures of bar mitzvahs and worship going on on the men's side. And I was like, how did you get those pictures? She scaled a wall. And there's this little white Western woman. She's taking pictures. Very nice. So, well, good. All right. So sorry to interrupt the flow of things there, but if you've been there, it's a very evocative picture. Yeah. And so, so tell us about, so places you went, what'd you do? What yeah, we'll do this like? quickly. I don't want to do a travel log. We wanted to thank you and thank This is a little self-indulgent, but thank you. Uh, we wanted the opportunity to share some of our surprises and some of takeaways for us. I may preach a little bit, warning in advance when I get to the takeaways, but we flew into Tel Aviv and then drove up the West Coast, which is the Mediterranean, and stopped in uh, Caesarea Maritime. There are two Caesareas, uh, Caesarea Philippi is also mentioned in the New Testament. We visited that later, but we drove up the coast and then ended up at the Sea of Galilee. So Mike, give us that next picture. This is pictures of the Sea of Galilee. On the right is a on the left too, I imagine is a scene that Jesus would have seen hundreds of times. Uh, that's sun setting over the Sea of Galilee on the right. The left is the front of a boat, our boat that we were on, going across the sea. Our weather was spectacular. It was about what y'all had here. It was about 60 and sunny. And yeah, so it's a beautiful day. The sea was glassy. And then we spent some time in and around Galilee, which was basically home base for Jesus. I think the next picture Mike has, uh, this is the, the ruins of Capernaum. And if you're familiar with the New Testament, you may have heard that word. Capernaum became like home base for Jesus after he was rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. He kind of set up base in Capernaum. And this is an active, very large dig because Capernaum was kind of a, a substantial town. And then we went up the east side, of, or actually down the east side of Israel going south, which is along the Jordan River. Fascinating because the Jordan River separates Jordan from Israel. So you can throw a rock on most places from Israel over to Jordan. And we go all the way down to the Dead Sea area. And I think there's a Dead Sea picture, Mike. Yeah, this Dead Sea is beautiful. It's also, it's dead. You know, there's nothing in it. I think, don't check me on this. Somebody will get out Google and check me and tell me later. But I think the, the oceans of the earth are like 1.5% salt or something like that. And the Dead Sea is 34%. So it is really salty. And it's also in the Judean desert. So when you read passages about the desert, we were able to see that, the, the desert of Judea. And then we went a little bit north again and west. And the Dead Sea is the lowest geographical point on the earth. It's 1,300 feet below sea level. Jerusalem is 3,700 feet. No, I'm sorry. Jerusalem is, do the math. Anyway, you climb 3,700 feet to get to Jerusalem. So somebody do the math and figure out what that is. And there are, like the back third of the Psalms are called Psalms of Ascent. And this was a theme in the life of Israel, the, the ascending up to Jerusalem, especially from the Judean desert. So we did that, and we spent our last three or four days in Jerusalem, in and around Jerusalem. Yeah. You got anything to add to that, Diane, as far as experiences or that's, places you went to see? That's pretty much, yeah, what we did. <laughs> it was great. It was awesome. So what, not just what did you learn, because I'm sure every day you learned an overwhelming amount of information, but what, like, surprised you? What stands out is in terms of things like... I didn't know that, or wow, I hadn't thought about that. The country is not that big. It's the size of New Jersey, 
which really surprised me. I, I thought it was going to be much larger than that, but it's not. The biggest thing for me was how rocky it is there. It's just Go to the next incredibly picture, yeah. rocky. But that's everywhere. All the hillsides are rocky. It just There's a, just a lot of rock there. Surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. I think I had my Sunday school pictures of Jesus teaching in the, you know, this hillside with the grass, but it's very, very, very rocky. I think another surprise for me would be that we did go to what they would say would be actual sites. You know, some things are guess, I would say, but some things they know for sure this is where this was. And for example, when Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, we sing, you know, our Palm Sunday and lays down palms. I think of it, this flat road leading into Jerusalem. It's a, an incredibly steep hill, comes down and then goes up into Jerusalem. So that was kind of interesting. And then right beside it is the Garden of Gethsemane or the Mount of Olives. So interesting that they were right there where he had made this triumphal entry and then, of course, his... Betrayal. And another thing we kept talking about, Diane, is just how uh, you can't go anywhere in the world other than the United States without noticing this, but how old everything was. Oh my goodness. If it was, we got, we got to be where I'd say, oh, that's only 1,800 years old. Don't take that picture. It was just incredible. Everything's so old. America's so young and new. You know, 300 years is old for us. There is your century old thing. So it, that, that was very stark, too. I think for me, Alex, the, the surprising things were how close things were. You know, it's a small state, as Diane said, and especially in Galilee, we spent some time in Galilee next to the Sea of Galilee and wandered around the areas where Jesus would have been doing the bulk of his ministry, and it's just not that far. I mean, it's a walking culture, of course, so further than it would seem to us today. I mean, word could have spread thoroughly through Galilee. You could see how. It was just... Uh, things were pretty close. And then the same thing in Jerusalem. It's a tightly packed city. And one day we were driving around Jerusalem and there's a, one of the mountains that Jerusalem is built on is Mount Moriah. That's the holiest of the mountains. And the bottom of Mount Moriah is the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley runs between, I'll talk about this again in a minute, but it runs between Mount Moriah and the Mount of Olives. And we were at the sort of base of Mount Moriah is what they call the city of David. And that's the oldest part of Jerusalem. That's where the Jebusites were when King David went in and took it over. And then he built up above that, built his palace above that. And it was easy to see how he built his palace up there. And he looks down and sees Bathsheba. But we're driving around one day and the guide says, we're riding past the city of David. And the guide says, right there would have been one of the prominent leper colonies. And there were a few caves down there. But it was right below the city. In my view, I had lepers, you know, way out, just like out in the desert. And you go out, and, but they're right there. I mean, Jerusalem's doing their business, and they're constantly looking down and seeing the lepers and, and ignoring them. And it would have been very visible. When Jesus goes down and ministers to the lepers, they see Jesus down. I mean, there had to have been people in the streets of Jerusalem going, What's he doing down there? So how close things were. And then I would also say, honestly, go to the next picture, Mike. This doesn't do it justice, but okay, I know everybody in here knows this. I don't know where I've been for my life, but it's on the Mediterranean. And it's beautiful. And I really didn't, I hadn't thought that. It's a, even the desert is kind of starkly beautiful, but it is a really pretty country, and the Mediterranean part of it is gorgeous. Palm trees and, you know, the whole thing. So that surprised me. I think, too, there's a lot of excavation that's going on now. Just things, even part of King David's palace that they're still uncovering. 
And that just was really a surprise to me how much work is, archaeological work is still going on. But just the civilizations that, you know, conquered one another and that when they destroy, they build on top. So as they dig out these places, they can tell from the rock, from the you know, artifacts they find, you know, who was there. And that was kind of astonishing, too. I thought, oh, it would all be there and uncovered. But no, it's still it's a, a very much yeah. work in, pro uh, in progress. Yeah. What about takeaways then, you know, the impact of this, you know, kind of bigger picture? What thoughts come to mind? I think for me, it just brought the Bible to life in a way that really surprised me. I thought it was going to be good and it was going to be informative and we were going to learn a lot of stuff. We got fed with a fire hose. It was just all this stuff you're just hearing day after day, but that was, I think, uh, a real takeaway for me is just how much the Bible came alive when you'd read about these places and then go, oh, that's where it was, and that's why he talked about it in such a way. I think that was really big for me. You even talked about the rockiness. As oh, well. yeah, the rocks, the examples that Jesus would use about scattering seed and, you know, some of it was on good soil, some of it was thorny, some was on the path, some was on rocks. Well, of course he used rocks. Or talking about he's the vine and we're the branches. Well, you really understand that when you're, you know, vineyards all over the place and, you know, why Jesus spoke the way he did and made me think about what he would say here in Northern Virginia. He would probably allude to our busyness. We would relate to that. So it was very relatable for the people, but still translates for us just, we have different problems, I'd say. And the other thing is, I think I kind of romanticized the Bible a little bit and sanitized it. I think for me, some of my images of things in the Bible are my little Sunday school images of Jesus preaching on the grassy knoll or that the crosses are all perfect. There's three of them and you know, they're up on a hill. Well, they probably weren't even up on a hill. They were probably down below on the road where people could see them and mock them and, you know, spit on them and humiliate them and that they were out of trees. And um, so they wouldn't have been these perfect images that we have. So I think there's ways that, you know, I've kind of done that in my own head. And it, the life there's kind of gritty and hard because of the, you know, all the rock and dryness and lack of water and things like that. A couple of things for me, Alex, that hit me for us, for Gateway. One of the takeaways for me is place is really important to God. I made the observation several times with the people that were on the trip with us that I just ignore geography in the Bible. I don't know about you, but if you're a regular Bible reader, you know, Beth Sheen, Migdal, I just ignore that stuff. Because I barely can pronounce the words, and it doesn't make sense to me. I have no frame of reference. And you know that that land is holy and special to God. And remarkable stuff happened there in a remarkable part of the story. But I think place is important to God. And our place is important to God. But like one of the little surprises to me was, you know, I was talking about Jerusalem and Mount Moriah is the place where they built the temple. Well... Mount Moriah was also the mountain that Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. And I didn't even know that until I went on this trip. And it made me think of Gateway. And I don't know how many of you have been around. I'm sorry, I'm standing up. That means I'm going to be a little longer, so I'm going to try to talk fast. But I don't know how many of you have been around Gateway long enough to hear our land story. I mean, this, literally, the story of this property. But it's awesome. 
I've said to Gateway over the years, we got the best land deal since God gave Israel the promised land. And it's extraordinary. We got this piece of property years ago when Tall Cedars Parkway was just a, a dream. And Gum Spring Road was a, some of you have been here long enough to remember this, was just a little two-lane spit that ran through a bunch of trees. Most of your homes, those of you who live in the Dulles South area, your homes weren't here. And, you know, this guy comes to us with this idea for this property, and my first response was, no. So this, this wasn't some great strategic decision. This was just God forcing our hands. And what he said to me at the time was, look, you want this piece of property because in 25 years, this is going to be the corner of Center and Main Street, Loudoun County. And in 30 years, this is going to be the corner of Center and Main Street, Northern Virginia. Well, it turns out he's close to right. And I, I thought about how important place is to God. I'm going somewhere with this. It made me think again of, we tried to, by the way, for those of you who haven't been around for very long, months, weeks, or today's your first time, we started thinking about a building project here, building this building in 2007, 8, and 9. It was our idea to have it then. And for various reasons, it didn't happen. And, and because of that, it really felt like a failure. Because of that failure, I had had it with building. I didn't want to have anything to do with this. Let's just be a church. You know, church is us. Church isn't this building. And that's always what I've taught. It's always what I've thought. It's always what I've preached. Church is us. Church isn't this building. So I forget that place is important to God. I think it's like 2012. We had a person on staff with us who's no longer with us who came to one of our staff meetings. And he was taking an Old Testament course online. And his Old Testament professor had made this point. He said, place is important to God. He comes into our staff meeting. He says, you know, I've been thinking about this. I've been praying about this. Place is important to God. We are ignoring God and what he gave us across the street. It's time for us to build. And that was one of the things that started this process for us that ended up with this facility. That's also why we say regularly here at Gateway on Sunday mornings and other occasions, you're not here by accident. You're not in Northern Virginia. You're not in this area because of your job. You're here because God has placed you here. In fact, you're in the seat you're in this morning because God has placed you here. Place is important to God. This place is important to God. And your place here in this place is important to God. I didn't know I was going to connect to this, but it's awesome that we talked about volunteers this morning because God did not call you to this place to sit. He called you to this place to give of you so that others might be benefited. I was talking about this one time. Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, it's math. It works. And I said, what in the world are you talking about? And they said, well, think about it like this. If I'm caring for myself, I've got one person caring for me. But if there are 300 people all caring for one another, I've got 299 people caring for me. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. That's why you're here. So first, sorry. But places... <laughs> he, he can't help it. Okay. Yeah. Places see important him at to God. Home. The second thing that was... Sorry, hon. Don't, don't, don't applaud. For the second thing that was really more moving for me, the, the Garden of Gethsemane was powerfully moving for me. But I, I want to explain this again. Jerusalem is built on a set of hills. So it's like Moriah here and the Mount of Olives here. And the Mount of Olives is called the Mount of Olives, duh, because it was full of olives, olive trees. And there was a place on the mountain where there was a very big olive press and a garden around it. That was called the Garden of Gethsemane, and Gethsemane means 
Olive Press. Then on the other side of the Mount of Olives, you go a couple of miles away, is Bethany, and that's where Jesus would hang out during the time that he was in Jerusalem. So you get the picture. Here's the Mount of Olives. Here's Mount Moriah. And on the top of Mount Moriah, again, is the temple. Right beside the temple is the praetorium area that the Romans had built so they could keep an eye on what was going on in the temple and make sure these people didn't get unruly. Well, what I, I've never seen this before, but you know, if you build a city like this, well, if I'm doing something here, if I'm here and something starts to happen over here, I don't see it. But when a city is built like this, if I'm doing something here like praying and something else starts to happen over here, I see it. So Jesus saw a line of torches coming in the night for him. Why didn't he run? Why didn't he run? He had a couple of hours. Bethany's only two miles away. They would have never found him. But he didn't run because of us, because of this, because he wanted to do this. It was so compelling to me to see the story laid out like that. And then it also reminded me how silly what we believe is. And it's really silly. What we believe is that a guy was killed, had no pulse, brain activity gone, killed. I mean, the Romans were experts at death. They did this really well. They killed him, and three days later, he walked out of the grave and didn't stink. That is a silly thing to believe, unless it's true. And if it's true, it changes everything. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Yeah, those are my takeaways. Well done. What about personal takeaways? Like, you, thank you, first of all, for posting pictures. That was nice to be able to see on Facebook. And the kind of stuff that struck me was like being on the Sea of Galilee in the boat. And I'm guessing uh, maybe when you got out there, they cut off the motor and you guys might have sung a hymn or something like that. And just to think like, oh my gosh, this is like Jesus and his guys. They were out, oh my goodness, this is the same place. Or I saw, you know, like quiet time overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Like that's got to be a pretty inspiring place to you know, have a quiet time. Yeah. So for you personally, were there little, you know, takeaway moments like that? Well, the, uh, for sure, the Sea of Galilee was that for me. And we did take a boat ride over and we cut the motor off. And it, there were a lot of pastors on this trip too, who was interesting were, I think none of them had been, I believe maybe one, very, very, maybe yeah. one had very gone deep. before. So just to see everybody just kind of moved by this. So we're in this boat and it's quiet. It's still, the lake is like, glass. It's a sea, but it's really a lake. And there we are where somebody reads scripture and then about when Jesus calls Peter to walk on the water. So you, you could see it, you could feel it, you know, what it would be like. And then we, we sang out there too, which was just very moving. But it was interesting, the day we left Galilee, a storm came in. It was our only rainy day. We were really grateful. It's a rainy season and we only had one rainy day and it didn't even last the whole day. But the morning the wind started blowing, like, and you could see the water just start to get rougher and rougher and rougher. We weren't out on it at that point, but that's when you realize that's what was going on when Jesus says, be quiet, and calms it. You know, that was an incredible thing to see of what they would have felt like out there. And they told us, the guide told us that he has taken groups out there before, or at least once, and 
a storm really did come in where they were like had to hold on to the sides lest they fall in. So you got an image of how it comes down through some of these valleys and what the storms can do. That was just very profound. By the way, I was with a group of people here before we left for the trip, and I said to the group, I've got plans on walking on water on the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Linda Knox said, oh, I need to see a picture of that. <laughs> I didn't um, get the picture of that. Yeah, no, we got no pictures. Didn't mean it didn't happen, we just got no pictures. But I, I think for me, the Garden of Gethsemane was the, the big thing for me. Interesting connection point for me was Diane and I were talking constantly about the, the rockiness of it because we heard one of our guides, I think, or somebody said, they have a joke in Israel that when God was creating the earth, he gave two angels two giant bags of rocks and said, go distribute these all over the planet. And one of them made a mistake and dropped his whole bag on Israel. So it's really rocky. And we'd been talking about the rockiness. And those of you who are reading the New Testament with us, you may remember during the time that we were gone, one of the devotional mornings was Jesus tells this parable about a vineyard. And I can't remember exactly, but he's going to bring some correction to the vineyard workers. And he sends someone in to tell the vineyard workers something. They ignore him and send him away. And then he sends a second one and they ignore him and send him away. So he says, well, so he sends one more, and they kill him. And so then he says, well, I've got to get this message to them. I'll send my son. Surely they'll listen. So he sends his son, and they kill the son. And of course, he's talking to scribes and Pharisees. They know that he's talking about them, and he is talking about them, and saying some outrageous things about himself. Then he quotes from Psalm 118, the passage that says, the stone the builders rejected became the cornerstone. And it was incredibly moving to me because I thought all of their building is out of stone. Uh, that's, Jerusalem is a strikingly beautiful city because it's all out of these large limestone blocks. And the whole countryside is, the homes are built out of stones. So you get this picture of, you know, a group bringing this really nice stone to these stonemasons and saying, ah, and the stonemasons in their expertise think, and they reject it, and they could reject it easily because the, the place is full of stone. So that one's not perfect. Meanwhile, that's the stone that's going to be the cornerstone. They've rejected the cornerstone. And I couldn't help but think how often, you know, he's the cornerstone of my life. He's the cornerstone of every day. And I just reflected on how often I'm casual about it. I reject that. You know, I go off and do my day, and I don't build my day on the cornerstone of my life. So, yeah. I'm going to give you like a word or a phrase, and I want you to kind of tell people about this. So, like having been to Israel and stayed in hotels, tell them about dessert there. We had a lot of it. <laughs> we would walk about an average of maybe eight miles a day. Some days, of course, were longer than that which you th thought we were going to be in great shape. We were very sore, but we like ate our weight there, so it didn't really help. <laughs> Dessert there. Yeah, because oh, wow. at least we where we went, there, there, it was like, oh, not 
here are three kinds of pies. It was like, yeah. okay, well, this is the table for chocolate things, and here are right. fruit things. Yeah. And, they, yes. and there were like 75 of them, and it was so bad that some of the dessert, they just give you like, here's a spoon with this <laughs> thing, because you know you're going to want like eight of these, yeah. and you can't eat. You You'd come back with your plate and have like six or seven samples on it, yeah, I would say, exactly. something like that. But it was samples. interesting. Yeah. Some of the samples were substantial, but, but too. But for yeah. breakfast, they always had what, what I would almost call a salad bar uh -huh. of olives uh, yeah. and cheese and dates and, and, dates and yeah. figs. and yeah. Also lettuce. And, and lettuce, yeah. yeah. To, so yeah. it's almost salads, too, for breakfast. So we can even eat healthy for breakfast. Yes, yeah, exactly. evidently. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> Jordan River. What, what do you remember or what strikes you about that? Well, it's not very wide. I was surprised at that. It's not wide. When you were talking about Jordan being on the other side of yes. it, it's like, you know, 30 feet away, there yes. are armed Jordanian border yeah. guards. I, yeah. I was surprised and, at that. Yeah. It, I think of a big, wide river, the Jordan, not, not very wide. Yeah, no. It's not like the Mississippi. Yeah. Well, we got rebaptized in the Jordan River, and that was neat. Diane baptized me, and I baptized her. It would have been, I think, an epically moving experience, except I have to tell you, it's freezing cold. It was cold. freezing. So, you could freezing. see your breath. It was that cold. Yeah. It was cold. So, you know, this is how you test somebody's commitment yes, to you Christ. Do. Absolutely. Yes, you do. I, in fact, I think we should no longer use heated water for our baptism. <laughs> I like this water. <laughs> but, you know, it was the kind of experience where you thought, Oh, you're going to go, and angels are going to sing, and you're all ready to go, the and you step in the water, down. and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's freezing cold. But it was really cool to do that. It was. It was very cool. It was, it was a neat thing. Good. I liked it. I'm glad Ed you didn't did see that. me baptized. I was baptized when I was 11, so he never saw it, and I never saw his, so it was kind of neat we got yeah. to, to Well, and for me, it was, uh, I don't know, you know, theologically... I wanted to go like, no, I do not need to be baptized again. I was baptized when I made my commitment yep, to Christ. And then, once, and then it was like, yeah, once this is where Jesus did baptism. I'm like, seriously, I'm getting baptized. You know? uh, yeah. This is where he was baptized. So, I, you know, if, I'm, if I get the opportunity to walk in his footsteps and to be dipped in his water, you know, whatever, I'm, yeah. I'm going for it. Yeah. Uh, what about the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, the Garden of Gethsemane, as I said, was one of the moving moments for me. You know, our guide said at one point, so we got to go in the garden, they reserved it, and you have to do this a long time in advance, but we were able to go in by ourselves. So there's nobody but our group. So there were 40 of us in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we did a little scripture reading and then had a meditation time, and then we went off, and they gave us 20 or 30 minutes to just reflect on our own. As they sent us off, the guide said, you know, some of these trees are three to 5,000 years old. So I want you to go off and spend time with the Lord among the trees that were witnesses. Mm -hmm. That was powerful. Wow. It was. That, that just mm -hmm. it got me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could see, you know, there's some taller trees too, cedars there. And so the city's blocked a little bit, but not completely. And just that you could see, you know, this Jerusalem up on the hill, the, the Temple Mount. It just was very powerful. Any other closing thoughts or things that you want to touch on? Well, thank you to Gateway for uh, sending us. And I will say without apology, you'll be seeing occasionally some slides and some references from passages that we're preaching on for months to come, I'm sure. It was awesome. Well, we look forward to it. Do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah, I'll do it. Worship team, come on up and let's pray. Father, I thank each of us this morning 
are standing in a literal place that you appointed for us. I mean, you in fact honored humanity. You honored our flesh by taking it on yourself. You honored our planet by coming here and you honor our space by occupying us in it. I pray, Lord, that we would be moved to step into the place that you've called us and step into it in the way that you've called us to step in. I think, Lord, that we're in this place because we've been selected by you for this and we've been empowered to do what you put us here to do and we've been set free to be who you called us to be. So this morning, Lord, I, I ask that you would help us to step into the empowerment and step into the freedom of the place that you've called us. We believe a silly story unless it's true and gosh, if it's true, it changes everything. Hear us, Lord, as we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We introduced this song last week, so you'll recognize it if you were with us. You unravel me.
Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Make sure you watch the Super Bowl. Go in peace.